This is the This Is Water podcast with Bob Forrest. Recorded on location in Hollywood, California. Here's your host, Bob Forrest. Hey, this is Bob Forrest, and this is water. This is the This Is Water show, and um, haven't done one in a while. And boy, a lot has happened. So many things have happened. If you've listening, you've been listening from the beginning of my whole internet experience. Podcasts are blowing up, Nate. Podcasts are the thing. Yeah, I was trying to get you to podcast in the bunker. That's how long we've been working. That's on That's a to long. That was in, oh, that was ten years ago. Yeah, absolutely, that's crazy. So now I'm doing. This is Water, trying to figure out how to transition into the Me and Dr. Drew's podcast, and then the Me and Greg doing the The Weekend Weekend Dad Dad show. Which was sort of what this was supposed to be anyway. Yeah, but... Originally, but it didn't. You know, I'm not very focused. And and I have nothing to comment (laughs) about being a dad. So so there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of stuff going on, but um, mostly last night Scott Weiland died, and it's just so fucked up. A lot of people cried. People would be surprised. Like, I was pretty close with Scott, and I didn't cry, but um, my friend Dave Becky cried because he's a huge fan. Sure. But, I mean, it's couldn't say it's unexpected, but I just saw him a couple weeks ago, and, and he looked pretty good to me. I mean, and that's what mainly I've been thinking about all night and this morning is, like, why me and Anthony and Mike Mart get to be sober and, like, people, like... Mike Starr and her dad and doesn't make any sense. So then I was watching because I couldn't get to sleep and I was thinking about Scott's kids and I was watching on YouTube um, like you know Stone Temple Pilots videos, mostly acoustic. I don't I don't like electric music, but the acoustic <laughs> versions unplugged. And at one point, on because I was watching it on my phone, at one point, you know how YouTube stacks up next videos or related videos. Yeah. And it was Lane and Kurt Cobain. Yikes! And I clicked on the Allison Chains video, and Mike stars in it. So it's four people I know that have died of drugs. All that I've done drugs with. And two that I've been the counselor of. Either that I'm a bad counselor or a bad influence or it's just random and crazy, you know? And, and it, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some CNN requests that come and talk. And then what's so funny is, and this gets back to when Fashante was using and whatever, um, I told him one time, John, you know, you think it's going to be this big Sid Barrett type thing? I think you're to pass the tipping point. I think it'll just be in random notes if you die. Like, oh, yeah, and the guy from one of the Chili Peppers guitar player died. And he he looked at me like he wanted to kill me. You know what I mean? Because when you're going down like that, you're living in this mythology of David Bowie and Mm -hmm. Jim Morrison and Sid Barrett and, and the actuality of, you know, like, was so weird last night. So I got the text, like, at nine, that he was dead. And... So then I turned on the 9 o'clock news, no thing on it. Then when it's rolling around to 10 o'clock news, I thought, oh, my God, let's see. You know, because if Scott would have died 10 years ago, it would have been a media breaking news on CNN and how the media is just so weird. And, like, like if, if, if Kanye West died today of a drug overdose, it would be international news for five days. Sure. And, like, it's just a drug addict dying or the Michael Jackson stuff. So I want to know where Scott's at still after all these years of kind of you know not making records and whatever and it was not the lead story it was not breaking news it was like the third or fourth story on the 10 o'clock news and it's just so sad and you know and then watching those songs last night it was just amazing those songs are amazing i always say you know Stone Temple Pilots wrote better songs than any of those other bands, and I won't say what those other bands are. <laughs> but I, it's a funny story. So I obviously didn't pay much attention to grunge and because I was at Frenchie's house smoking crack, but then they started to filter in to buy crack and heroin, so then I started meeting those people. I knew Eddie better from before, but the rest of the crowd 
I didn't, I knew Kurt a little bit, but, but the rest of them, I didn't know they're like new people, but I met him at this drug dealer's house in Los Angeles, but I never really bought the records or listened to their records or knew anything about them. And since I knew Eddie, I had seen the video for Jeremy. So this is my grunge narrative in my own Bob <laughs> Forrest mind. So I, so I, see the Jeremy video and I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good and the song was really good, but you know, I just don't like hard rock music. So it's kind of hard for me. So, so, and that voice, um, and I knew Scott from, he had this band called, uh, 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 uh it was named after a monkey, Mighty, um, Joe, Mighty Young. Joe Young. Yeah. And he was from Huntington beach and whatever. So, and I used to get Scott Weiland and Brad Knoll mixed up because they kind of look the same and they're both from the, from Orange County. In the beaches, beaches somewhere. And they're right. both like a real nice kids and, you know, very big music fans and stuff. So I, for a couple of years there, I would get it confused. And then I how I differentiate it is, oh, the one kid wrote Date Rape. And then the other kid, I don't know what he does. <laughs> so, so because because Sublime became kind of big because of that date rape song way before they became huge, sure. right? So, so, um, so I'm on tour. Fast forward, like I don't really pay attention to grunge, but I obviously was in, was in cars in 1993 and 94 or supermarkets or record stores selling CDs to get heroin. And I heard the grunge music. It's, it was kind of all around you, particularly Nirvana. Like I knew Kurt Cobain was kind of distinct. Their sound was distinct. But the other ones, STP, Pearl Jam, uh, Alice in Chains, um, some, some of the lesser Soundgarden and some of the lesser ones like Candlebox or, what, or whatever, <laughs> they, they, you know, they're just in the zeitgeist, but I'm never buying them. I'm not listening to them or whatever. So then we're on tour with Bicycle Thief opening for Stone Temple Pilots and I'm sitting in the dressing room like the fourth show with Josh and, and I hear this song and I go, is that a Stone Temple Pilot song? Because I always thought it was a Pearl Jam song. And then... Then I started going out and watching them at the shows, and like there was like five great fucking songs that Interstate Love song and that fucking uh, I forget what the other one. There was so many good songs. I was amazed, and in my weird drug addict getting sober decade long relationship with grunge, I just always thought the best songs must be Eddie Vedder's songs. They must be Pearl Jam songs, but they weren't. They were Not Stone true. Temple Pilot yeah, songs. Wow. Isn't that weird? It's a surprise. And then it turns out the Robert, the bass player, wrote them. Isn't that weird? Like, he's a flamenco guitar player, and so that's why they're a little more distinctive than guitars, songs written on, like, Marshalls and, you know, Les Pauls and stuff like that. So we have a guest today. Do you want to introduce yourself to My this name. death match? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Harry Portnoff. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Sure. Just hanging out with Nate for a little bit, and... Just tagging along, kind of, for the ride. Well, you know why I'm so excited you're here? Because I think you've seen my five-year-old son, Elvis, play music. I've heard him. It's I, awesome. I, I just, while we were setting up before you got in here, I played him the song you have in mind. But you got to see from it. From Hoy's birthday party. Like, he is so, he's like Scott Weiland at five years old. <laughs> I hope he doesn't end up like Scott Weiland at 48 years old. But Eesh. he just loves music. He's grown up around music, and and it's weird. He went to this fancy private school, and they had music there, and so he's not embarrassed or, you know, like about singing in front of people, and he'll sing anywhere. And it's really hard. I went on this tour, and he came with me. It's hard to keep him off stage. He'll, like, fight to get on stage to sing. Still your mic. <laughs> he's definitely your son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but, doubt. So... We were fooling around here in the garage. I have a music room, and and he came up with this song. I was just playing, and I just let him sing. And he knows tempo, and he knows melody, and he started singing. I don't like school. I don't like school. To like this nice melody to what I was strumming. And so then I was playing a couple of days later, and I, he came up and we played it. I think it's a hit. I think it's a, a, a internet phenomena. <laughs> A five-year-old child singing, I don't like school, it's the worst. Uh, learning, I don't care. <laughs> I love it. So maybe we can work, work a deal out. 
Harry has a Sounds record label. Good. What's your label called? I plug plug yourself. Label called Greenway Records and put Rachel's record out. Yeah, I put Rachel's record. I'm so out. happy for that. It's a great record. It's really awesome. She's great. Yeah, it's awesome. And I just try to make vinyl again. Forty fives mainly so far, but I'm trying to move to the realm of twelve inches as well. we'll see oh, cool. We get there, <laughs> but that's a, you know that it's coming back somehow. I buy vinyl. I bought the Cat Stevens. Uh, live record last night at Amoeba, 180 bit vinyl for 28.99. So there's money to be made in vinyl, because I know it only costs five or seven bucks to print that. Sure, yeah, they really are making loads off stuff like that, especially like the 180 gram reissues of things that are just like yeah. guaranteed to sell. You know, that yeah. Kind of stuff. And so you know, if you if you print up 500 and the artist is responsible for selling half of them that's the you know these in the old days all this educate you so you can bring the old punk rock days into the new 21st century want some help yes please so brett gerwitz <laughs> was the first guy in our circle of friends that knew anything about records epitaph records yeah epitaph records and he did this thing. It wasn't even a and d deal because he didn't have the money to print up the thing. So sometimes you had to give him money, <laughs> the record label, and then you'd get vinyl back that you could sell to get your money back so he could get the records out of the printers. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you get these records that, like, I don't know what it was then, four bucks a piece, and they come in boxes of 50. So it's 200 bucks a box. You get, like, you give them 800 bucks and you get four boxes of records and you can sell them to whoever for 10 bucks or mm -hmm. eight bucks or whatever. So I always thought that's a good model for the modern era because you're only printing up 500. Mm -hmm. And so make the artist buy 500, like of a single, and then that makes them promote themselves, I would think. Maybe. But <laughs> best case scenario, you can keep making records with other artists yeah. because it cuts your cost in mm -hmm. half. And then... They will also, what I do all the time is just give them away. So yeah. I've given, I got like 40 of them. I've given like 20 of them away. I'm mm -hmm. not going to charge my friend. Oh, dude, can you give me $10? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it promotes the record and the record rather than sitting in some record store not being bought for years and years and years, it's out in somebody's totally. hands listening to it. So there's got to be a cooperation between the artists and the people willing and and taking the risk enough to mm. invest three or five thousand dollars to put a record out yeah and artists are notoriously like assholeish <laughs> and selfish and no matter what the level of success they think of themselves as like led zeppelin like you know what i mean yeah. so they're like what do we have to pay mm. well some people have jobs and make money <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like not everybody just sits around watches tv and bees an artist <laughs> you know that's the best thing about yeah. musicians artists you know um well, they meet like Nate's an amazing artist. He has to work. He has to mm -hmm. put a pen to paper, right? Um, you know, and you have to keep producing and being inspired and producing. Filmmaking is a constant, ongoing filming and writing and figuring out and inspiration. And, you know, it takes five years to make a feature film, right? I just saw the Spike Lee movie last night. So great. It's his best movie in 20 years since Do the Right Thing. It's really <laughs> good. Have you heard about it? It's called Chirac. It's about Chicago's mm. gun shit. Mm. And it's crazy and funny. And His last one was terrible. Yeah, this is amazing. The the Blood for Jesus. Or mm. I think it's Blood for Jesus. It's like a weird vampire movie. Oh, yeah. He's just trying to get in genre so he can get Do financing. Yeah. Get financing. But so filmmaking is a really an all-the-time job. Painting, visual arts, all-the-time thing. You do it all the time. Music, a little different. You don't do it all the time, right? Hmm. But I know more musicians that don't have jobs <laughs> than I do, <laughs> you know, anything else. visual arts yeah, or filmmaking. I have filmmaker friends that have made feature films that have been in theaters that have jobs, mm -hmm. day, day jobs, mm -hmm. right? I don't know many musicians that do. <laughs> so that's always been my thing is like musicians, they, for some reason, the... The, the cliche about them is they don't have to do anything but be look cool and, you know, write a song. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and now I've believed that for years, but now I don't. So, um, so that it's exciting. Maybe we can get Elvis. So here's my market. I'm going to, I'm going to pitch to you. Do it. Right. So 
I have an older son, 28, amazing artist mm -hmm. from the time he was like 13, 14, but kind of hard to deal with. Let's put it that way. His own worst enemy and doesn't want a lot of help from me and Anthony or anybody. You know, he wants us to stay out of his business. So oppositionally defiant and all that kind of stuff. So one of the ways I would try to get motivate him was Bright Eyes. He's the same age as Bright Eyes. And mm -hmm. I was like, that kid from Nebraska has got a record out and he's 15. And you're like way better songwriter, way better singer, multi-instrumentalist genius. Mm -hmm. And you haven't made a record? And that used to piss Elijah off, <laughs> right? I'm sure. Just just pointing out bright eyes. So he still to this day hates bright eyes. <laughs> so, but that was the that. Why did we all hear about that? I don't know if you're too young, but we all heard about. It. There's a 15 year old boy in the Midwest who's a singer songwriter and makes his own records. I mean, that filtered through the zeitgeist of all the bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So imagine the attention to a five-year-old child who has a record out a real record with real lyrics that he wrote think about it nate i think it'd be awesome I, <laughs> I think it should be the b-side but that's just me oh you don't like i hate school what do no, you know it's a good song but which I one you want a side i still think it should do a proper version of words don't mean a thing so of which song words don't mean a thing should have a proper version Oh, it's got to be Elvis's single. Come on. Let's not have the it's big single, adults man. pushing people there. out of the way. No, I think it should be Elvis's single. Elvis Forrest. Well, who's going to buy 300 copies of that? I'll buy 100. <laughs> I already told you the, the financial split. <laughs> no, I... Because, no, because you're not thinking in this new odd future way, Nate. I'm you, thinking in the you flood a maker, a you flood maker, and YouTube with videos of him. He's very popular. I'm not just I, I'm like a manager of somebody. I you know I've managed a lot of people in my life, He's including the Red Hot Chili Peppers. On your Facebook page, that's two hundred. <laughs> that's what do you think? What do you think other people are? Popular on their own Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> so we get him his own Facebook page. <laughs> So, well, we'll figure it out. But I just like that idea of a five-year-old kid having... I, I guarantee it'll be on CNN. I guarantee you. You have no idea of how stupid the media is. You have a five-year-old boy who wrote two songs and performed them with his father, and he has a record out. Nate, you're really too cynical about things. <laughs> I know media. <laughs> Maker will give him his own show. You know what I mean? This modern yeah. media thing, nobody really knows what's going on. Nobody really knows how to make money, mm. except for Odd Future, because they crossed They're revenue stream. Money, though, they made $4 million last well, year. That's pretty did. good. That's pretty good. Tyler did. Yeah, Tyler made money. The rest of them are still living in Echo Park with well, their parents. I mean, they're lucky to know him. That's how I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully. Listen, the whole Chili Pepper world is lucky to know Anthony Kiedis. That's yeah. all I can say. We're all lucky. <laughs> Because that guy knows how to get things fucking done. So, and so does this Tyler kid, right? So he has, I don't know if it's if it's intuitive or he's read a book or he got educated by somebody. It's called multiple revenue streams. So he's got socks. He's got the store. He's got weed. He's got mm. pot pipes. He's mm. got tennis shoes. He's got records. He's got television commercials. He's got maker. He's got YouTube. He's He's got money coming in from 19 different directions. You know what I mean? It's, it's amazing. I'm so in awe of that kid. Mm. And more dumbass rock and roll musicians need to wake up and start looking at models like that. Because one thing that, that the underground indie rock, whatever you want to call it, whatever new term you call cool kids playing cool music, they have the attention of a network of people that that then with that, you can either educate them like The Clash did, educate them about politics. You can use it as an educational platform or you can use it as a marketing platform. And that's what Tyler, the creator, is doing. He uses his, his kind of station in life to make multiple opportunities for himself. Mm -hmm. right? In a 21st century world, that's to be admired with a bunch of 20-something kids sitting around on their asses living off their parents. 
I admire, and I think Tyler, the creator, should be celebrated and suggest instead of attacked or tell, oh, those fucking beers sounded like fucking Pete Weiss there for a second. <laughs> they, oh, yeah, his fucking buddies are in Echo Park. Well, they're not, they didn't create it. He's the creator. <laughs> well, why aren't those kids making money? Because they don't get out and they hustle. They got no hustle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I have hustle for Elvis. I don't have hustle for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your record label. It's, it's Rachel just came out, and then you had another thing before that. I put out a bunch of bands, uh, a couple that I grew up with locally. I'm from New York. Yeah. And... Uh, first band was a band that I grew up with. They're called the Younger Shells. They're a punk band from Long Island. And then it was just another band from Italy, actually, that got in contact with me was the second band. And I was just trying to make records for anyone who was decent or like pretty good that got yeah. in contact with me. I just wanted to make vinyl for people. And then the third band was a band from Chicago who I became friends with through a, f- a friend on the internet or like another label in Detroit. That's how it happened. Yeah, the internet these days is crazy. And... Again, like you said, marketing and stuff, it's like the way to, you can get these records out to people all over the world with the internet these days. Just like, I run everything through just a website and I sell 300, 400 copies of something to just all over the world just awesome. through posting about it on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the hell you want to use. But people are just on there looking for it and they see something just visually stimulating. They'll take a risk for 10 bucks or something on something they don't even know. If it just looks cool and it's like, you know, colorful vinyl or whatever. And I try to focus on all that because I think the whole package can be as artistic as the music itself. Yeah, well, know? this gets back to when I was a kid. There there, used, there was one of the coolest things. I bought it for, I think, 40 bucks. I have it somewhere. But when I was a kid, Adam and the Ants, were I loved them. They were one of the few English bands I loved. Like Public Image and Adam and the Ants. So... So they had a song called ANTS. It was a take on YMCA, right? Mm -hmm. And you could only get it on a little piece of paper that came with a trouser press magazine, right? And so that was the craziest thing everywhere, all over Huntington Beach, Long Beach, LA. People were looking for that trouser press magazine that you know came and went before any of us knew. And they never released it until compilations on CDs later. So you want you, it was just like a thing. It was flexi like disc, flexi disc, disc. yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, dude. That was like it was so exciting. We I drive from Huntington Beach to Zed Records in Long Beach to say this tries to press with ANTS in there, uh, you know, just to find it. Everybody's searching for it, and nowadays I think it's exciting to find something good mm-hmm. through these weird kind of you know the internet all it is is highways just like i used to drive up pch to go to long beach Mm -hmm. to the cool record store and then when i was up in hollywood i would it wasn't at tower records there was one called peaches here on hollywood boulevard and you're trying to find this thing that you want what you really want is your heart and your soul to be kind of expanded Mm -hmm. by music and and your mind and so you run through certain songs, certain bands that really make click your fancy. And then when that's kind of running a thing, you want some new thing to inspire you and come back. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think people are looking for. And that devils in me song. I mean, I, the Rachel song, first time I heard it, I was like, what, what is that? Is that on a bat dog record? And she's like, no, it's something I did. And I was like, that's amazing. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. It really that is. song. It's great. And the B-side, Shame, also. Yeah. Well, she's got like a hundred of them. You know that. (laughs) It's crazy. He's been through it. Yep. And so, but there's one song like that is kind of like ANTS, like Mm. that song, just like, whoa. And so that's why that you guys were connected through yeah. the internet, Nate yeah. and you. Totally. Well, he wanted to put out the bicycle thief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh, well, I, Josh is hard to nail down. I heard that's that the rights are all him. tied up and everything like that. I had no idea. Honestly, I didn't even have a record label at that point. I just was like community no, I don't think that, and, why is <laughs> I don't think that I think we should just put it out on vinyl and I'll so say I did it. That record needs to be on vinyl. Yeah, so if if I think Danny Goldberg owns it, I could talk to him. You know. He's not going to sue me. I just think that record (laughs) record needs to be on turntables, like properly enjoyed. Wow, let's do it. That's what I really believe, to be honest. It's such a great record. Why is Nate laughing? You are such a cynical bastard. It'd be hard to break even on that. 
Why? You don't have to pay anybody. Just print it up. I'm in charge. Let them sue me. You sold it. You sold it to Danny Goldberg. You sold all of it. What did Danny Goldberg do with it? Sony owns it all, I think. He sold it to them. Or Artemis was owned by them? If you can get the masters, I'll make a bootleg of it. And then we'll (laughs) hopefully not get sued. You're not going to get sued for what? For 3,000 bucks? Yeah, it's okay. Whatever. Exactly. You know, it's somebody, worth a chance. You got to take you a know chance what? at time. You know who's producing? <laughs> you know who's producing the Red Hot Chili Pepper album? I won't say, but uh, it's I, I not. Think we know now. I think, does it, everyone it know? Public? Does it, is it public knowledge? I think. Well, Danger Mouse or Brian yeah. Burden or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's public. If I know, okay. then it's public. It's public. Mm-hmm. All right. So you know how he started. He put out his own Beatles record and yeah. didn't give a fuck. The Grey album. It's yeah. a great, it's a <laughs> great record. The mashup or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure that's got to be copyright infringement, right? Yeah, so. yeah. He got, <laughs> all he got was a cease and desist from Yoko Ono and Olivia Harrison. And, and, and now he produces you too. And, and now he hangs out with them. <laughs> now he now produces he Jay-Z, them. probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm sure Yoko would beg him to produce her record. Yeah. <laughs> right? Probably. So, <laughs> so... Let's take a chance. <laughs> and then they'll use this podcast as evidence yeah, in a exactly. premeditation. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. I yeah. You guys discuss this and we have evidence <laughs> right here on the internet. Come on, Sony. We're just, you know. But they, they have enough hacking problems right now. It must have got out in the hack. What do they own, Sony? CBS? Uh, they bought ATV, I think, is who owned oh, okay. uh, Artemis. Okay. Well... You can never go through Papa channels. I'll give you an example. Steve O's a friend of mine, that guy from Jackass. Mm. And he heard this Sony sponsor song he liked a lot because he's young, way younger, and he never he was never into that. But then he was friends with me, and so then he started listening to music, I guess. Mm. He said he liked this song. I, I don't know how it was, but See That My Grave Is Kept Clean by Thelonious <coughs> Monster. So they wanted to use it. I was a drug counselor. I didn't know anything. Uh, you know, so I said, oh, I, somebody called me about they wanted to use this on Wild Boys. So I said, well, I'll call our old friend Mike Goldsmith, our old lawyer. And then all of a sudden it just got the kibbutz, you know, it was just smacked down or mm. whatever. Now I'm working as a drug counselor. Pete's working as a sound man. Chris Hansen's working as a college professor. None of us play music. Anything that comes from music... It's just fun mm-hmm. to have your song in a movie or whatever, or you know what I mean, or a hundred bucks or something. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Whatever happened with that thing?" And they're like, "Oh, you know, it's going to be fifteen hundred dollars or whatever." And I was like, "From who? For what? We own it. We definitely own that that record that you have in front of you mm-hmm. and, and Stormy Weather and Be- Baby or Bum My Life Out. Those three records we own. Mm-hmm. The problem is we're the masters. And they're lost, mm-hmm. right? But." Because I want to go back and take the drum triggers off of Stormy Weather if they exist, the 24-track tape, but it doesn't exist. I, I thought your old manager had the tapes when they were close. They had Baby and Bum My Life out, yeah. Oh. So And somebody got a hold of Audio's Lounge because they used it in some other format, and I had a box of it. So the weird thing of, of it is that... that they, you know, my friend lawyer, like Mike, Mike's has said, oh, yeah, it's sync rights. You've got to at least get that much. And I was like, why? This is such a fun thing to be a part of. Like, just yeah. let them use the song for free. Who cares? So when you go through proper channels, it just stagnates fun. It stagnates creativity. It stagnates. It does. It's stupid. Well, thanks we'll get musician hung up on unions. the business end or huh? whatever. And thanks, musicians, unions. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, nobody's making any money, and nobody. And so the point being, if you're courageous enough, like you are, to want to put records out, you know, everybody should give you the give you the music to put out and do a fair kind of figuring out of how to get it in the hands and ears of people. That's the point. I just want to get it into as many people's hands as possible on as many turntables as possible where it should be. That's what I've always figured. I have a turntable in there. <laughs> so we got to get one for it. For a hundred. I know. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, so many people like that record. And I if I was talking about it with Bill Cody the other day. So he said, you know, I love that record. And that boy had a bus stop and whatever. And I've heard that a lot. You know, I hear some things about Thelonious Monster Live meant some so much. Or being a part of this Thelonious Monster zeitgeist or whatever. 
Because it was kind of chaos and drugs and girls and it was just fun. We were the real Guns N' Roses of LA. I don't know if you know that or not. Mm. Guns N' Roses were just kind of like up the street, like not that cool of guys, except for Slash and <laughs> you know and Duff. And the and um, but they were they were not like living that rock and roll thing. We were mm. probably more so than anybody. And so people were excited about that. It was like watching a reality show before there was reality shows. Mm. Like Pete and I were talking the other day. Mike Mart Odin went or just went unconscious on stage in San Francisco and we just played around him. <laughs> I mean, that's a real rock and roll band. After he got his guitar out of the pawn shop yeah. before the set. But I think we got a kid out of the audience to play guitar with us for a while for that night. So so the 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 if I forgot where I'm going with this, but we were the real rock and roll thing. And, I, and so I hear mostly like I love Thelonious Live and going to shows and some people been to like 35 shows like The Dead or something. Mm -hmm. And and then um, like Big James, Dave yeah. Becky, Chris Carey, they've been to like 50 shows of Thelonious Monster. I wouldn't go myself, but <laughs> must have been fun and exciting to watch because mm -hmm. it was you never knew what was going to happen. But the Bicycle Thief is the record that people always talk to me about, and like, that's so I love that record. And and we were talking about it yesterday, me and Bill. And um, the interesting thing is, a lot of my songs I got sober, and then I looked back on Thelonious Monster, and a lot of the songs are very self-pitying, kind of almost embarrassingly so. If you're coming out into reality that self-pity is a part of why you're on drugs and you're so stupid and your life is so shitty because of this bullshit self-pity that you have. Self-pity is something that made me feel really uncomfortable when I got sober in 96, 97, 98, and I would avoid it. And I, it was a conscious decision, like, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself, and fuck that. And so then when I started writing songs... It was consciously with the idea that there's going to be no self-pity in these songs, right? But there's going to be reality, but not that, oh, boo-hoo, she left me, or poor me, mm -hmm. or whatever, or somebody's to blame. So in The Bicycle Thief, it's just kind of observations of sad kind of states of events and people and and but with hope, like, I'll walk around in my own tennis shoes, like, mm -hmm. it's going to be all right, I'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Those are that's a huge difference between Thelonious Monster lyrics and Bicycle Thief lyrics, and it was conscious to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think somehow that I'm a self pitying person by nature, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm trying to be positive <laughs> in those songs. It seems to work. Yeah. And now I got a great life, so that you just write nothing but shitty songs when you have a great <laughs> life. You really do. That's why I was learning. Cat Elvis write the words. I know yeah. he's got a shitty life. <laughs> he hates school. I it's learning. I don't care. Or, worse than Pluto. Bat. Worse, yeah. That, school is worse than Pluto. Bad. <laughs> so, so uh, I have a music room here, and I'm you know you're always thinking I like, write songs, and me and Pete Wise are trying to write this rock opera, Thelonious Monster thing, and. Um, so I try to work on it when I have time, but but this morning I was in there and I just I thought it was a Cat Stevens songbook and I learned how to play Oh Very Young, because when your life is good, like look where I live, like my life is pretty good, like so Cat Stevens is my, I don't know what to write about, like well my life is great, everything's good, <laughs> <laughs> nothing really bad happened, kind of scared of these terrorists. <laughs> It's true. Like, you know, I've always known that TSA and all this shit does, they're like incompetent boobs, just like the, every other government organization. This woman that just did this shooting in California, she was on a terrorist watch list. She had on Facebook pronounced her uh, dedication to ISIS on Facebook in San Bernardino. And nobody went over to their house. Nobody was checking to see oh my god this woman who on facebook said i pronounce my my dedicate my life to isis who's on a terrorist watch list was buying guns and going to home depot all the time and buying long pieces of metal pipe and nobody knew that's crazy it's fucking nuts 
The government is completely incompetent in every way, and now they're crucifying Obama today at the White House. Like, are you kidding me? We're no safer. It's just there, there's nobody wanting to kill us here except for randomly like this because we have such a police state against our African-American brothers and sisters. That's what it is. Mm. Within four minutes of the shooting in San Bernardino, there was multiple police cars there. Mm -hmm. The shooters were still there, but they got away. So it shows the competency of police. The only thing they're good at is killing unarmed black men in this country. Mm. I get so fucking angry. They're not, they're not geniuses. If, geniuses don't become FBI officers. Mm -hmm. People with very few options. I hate to say it. You know what I mean? I'm fucking so pissed. This woman dedicated her life to ISIS on Facebook. If there's a super secret society of America that's, you know, spying on us and trying to figure out our cell phone shit, how could they not catch that? I thought that was going <laughs> to set something off. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, it's just crazy. Mm. But I digress. <laughs> okay, CNN's calling me. Okay. That's going to happen. Oh, yeah. You'll be down well, there at five doing yeah, uh, yeah. talking Nancy head on something. Grace and whatever. Khalil's calling me, calling me, calling me. Um, so, so how do you want to do music so much? How did I want to do music so yeah, much? Yeah, what's your story? Where'd you go I to school? I'm gonna um, be Mark Maron for a while. I got in an interview <laughs> by Mark Maron. Uh, well, I grew up on in the south shore of Long Island in a town called Long Beach. Actually, you don't know Lindsay is, and Michael and her family, do you? I don't know. No, what are low they hands, no, low no, hands. No, no, no. no. Uh, they're they're <laughs> trouble. That's right where they know. grew up. That's where, yeah, right where like they live. A lot of people who grew up there, like millions. It's of like people. the drug capital of the East Coast. Mm, yeah. Probably. Isn't that where no. the pharmacy, the kids shot up and killed everyone in the pharmacy a few years ago? I don't, know. I don't pay attention to the news, <laughs> honestly. I didn't even... I was in a room packing 500 records yesterday or two days ago when that whole San Bernardino thing happened. I didn't even know what was going on. Back in on. New York or here? No, here. I was working at a label uh, oh. called In the Red, just helping them out. Oh, really? Pack records, yeah. But I had no idea what was going on except for that my... my parents started calling me oh they're scared yeah, they're you're like, in california yeah. yeah they're like are you near yeah, san bernardino and i'm like i don't even know where that is really i don't know where <laughs> anything is here so <laughs> i'm like i hope i'm not close to there but i don't think so i'm in some back room one knows no something TV. about la and and this is this is i never talk about this but i you know it's podcast nobody's gonna listen so <laughs> so here's the deal i always feel safe in la mm. any crowded places i always feel safe in la you know why because we have a lot of people that know how to take care of business if people start shooting. Mm. I'm not going to say what ethnicity they are. I'm not going to say, but when I'm at live, like the softest target probably in LA is live, LA Live, right? Mm -hmm. When I'm there, I feel the safest you can feel. <clears throat> because there are like 100, 150 dudes I know that are packing guns. Mm. <laughs> Because that's because we're from LA, bitches. Yeah. That's how we roll. <laughs> now I don't, but some of my brothers and sisters from the east side of town and the south side of town do. So if somebody does start trying to shoot up the the skating rink at LA Live, they'll be dead. We don't need to call the police. Yeah. They'll be dead. That you know, don't you feel? Do you ever yeah. think about that? Yeah. Chime in here, Nate. You're a yeah. Los Angelian. Yeah. I always think about it. It's well, like because you can tell who's packing. It's like, <laughs> like it's big, you know. I don't want to say. He's I don't want to see Highland Park. He'll see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying. And I love those guys, man. Let's. This is L.A. Yeah. This is you know. See the guys I, in the low riders, the tattooed but, faces. But Orange County, where they got a bunch of fucking guns, but everybody's too those chicken shit to use white. them. They're tote. There was like some Nuts. gun tote motherfucker across the street from the thing saw the shooters, had his gun, and did nothing. Cause that's Orange County, baby. That's how they roll. They talk a bunch of shit, and they got nothing. <laughs> But LA, we fucking boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. We don't talk about a right to bear arms like that bullshit in Orange County. We just bear arms. <laughs> and I'm always, you're safe in LA. Trust well, me. Thank you. You're probably safe in Benson, Bed-Stuy. You're safe in Brooklyn. You're safe anywhere there's... Real people who know know how to take care of business. I live in <laughs> I live in New York City, like Manhattan or whatever. Like yeah. only a block away from like Penn Station, and another block away from like the Empire State Building. You might not be too safe up there. In not a lot of, you need a lot of <laughs> no, criminal element yeah. around you. <laughs> 
It doesn't feel that safe, honestly, at some point. No, it's but... not safe up there. Yeah. No, you need to be in Brooklyn. You know, yeah. like where yeah. the bad neighborhoods are. That's yeah. where you're safe. Yeah. Because somebody pulls a gun out, they're going to be dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless they're flying the colors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as you can see with all these terrorists, they're so fucking stupid. They wouldn't know to like put blue bandana on and crypt territory. They're just too stupid. And the American government is so stupid. The woman pronounced her dedication to ISIS on Facebook. And then went and shot a bunch of Americans. I thought that's what they're watching for. Isn't there people watching us all the time? ISIL? Do you want me to say ISIL? Update ISIL. 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 ISIS. Yeah, Carrie said something. Yeah, Yeah, I am. But... um, you know, so that's what's going on. Terrorism, vinyl, and uh, and much. Elvis. That's yeah. my yeah. life. <laughs> Listen to music, stay away music. from guns. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't turn the TV on is what I try to <laughs> yeah. do. No, what's great about living in L.A., I don't need to have guns because every third person does. Hmm. You know what I mean? Where I go, see basketball. Sure. Go see the Odd Future concert down there. At the <laughs> Definitely at the Odd Future concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kid, I love that kid. I want to meet that kid. We should have tried to get Tyler the Creator on here. It's probably uh, hard. That probably won't work out. Maybe on Drew's show. What if I what if I promise to give him some weed? Then he might do it. Because I have Maybe. to confiscate but you weed. Said he has his own brand. Yeah. Right now, <laughs> <so> like, <laughs> do they have a weed store on Fairfax? Uh, probably. Who knows? <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> That's another funny thing. I had one of the coolest experiences on Fairfax one time. You, have you been there? We're all the Odd Future. I call it the I'm Odd not. Future generation. Mm-hmm. They're just they're not all Odd Future people, but they're mm-hmm. just it's that hip hop, cool, educated, skateboarding, mm-hmm. do nothing kind of be cool, like brand pants, new pants down hip hop generation. Come mm-hmm. from yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm over there. Flea was DJing at a party at one of the stores, and then I realized I was late. I was going to this movie at CineFamily, so I'm. I realize I'm late because I got transfixed by like watching this weird kind of cool world mm. and this old dude DJing. <laughs> it's like a weird, like we're the two oldest people in there by far, yeah. by 20 years. Sure. So, so then I had to go and I was running to Cine Family and there was these two kids walking and then one kid on a skateboard kind of going real slow with his foot down, keeping in time with them and they're talking. And I went around the skateboard kid and I kind of brushed him and I turned and I said, oh, sorry. And he goes, this cool old man. <laughs> and then he looked at me and he went, Dr. Drew. <laughs> and I just like, that's not the response you get from typical Americans. That's a clever, interesting funny, amiable response to me bumping into him and almost knocking him off his skateboard. It's cool, old man. <laughs> and, you know, you don't get that in Orange County. Mm. You know <laughs> no, what I mean? No, they'd be taking you outside to fight. Yeah, yeah. Even though you're care. already outside. Let's go so I love L.A. and you're safe here as long as you're inside the city limits. Now, mm. a lot of people don't know what the city limits are. Mm. I don't care what the geography says or what the, you know, <laughs> the government says. Los Angeles is from these hills right here. Mm-hmm to Echo Park, Silver Lake, to downtown, to like the 105 freeway, to the airport and the ocean. That's LA. What's called Beverly Hills is LA. Fuck that. They're Mm. not their own city. Mm. Santa Monica is LA. This is LA. Anything outside of that that calls itself LA is not LA. Mm -hmm. It's just wanting to be LA. Like the valley. The valley is not a LA. (laughs) Uh, You know, the Inland Empire is not LA. Long Beach is not L.A. Orange County is definitely not L.A. (laughs) And Anaheim, most of all, where this fucking baseball team plays, is not Los Angeles. So I know it's hard for an East Coaster to understand. I just Mm. try to simplify it. L.A. is about 10 square miles right here, and this is where we all live. Anybody who wants to be our friends lives in the Valley or Long Beach Mm. or whatever. I'm I'm an L.A. arrogant motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) From Mulholland to the 105, and and from and down the LA River. That's and then, LA. And then what about Palm Desert? Is that like annex? Palm Desert. That's not LA. That's the desert. And Palm Desert involves Joshua Tree, Palm Desert, but doesn't involve Palm Springs. Palm, Palm Desert, Indio, Coachella, and Joshua Tree and Pioneer Town. That's all one community too, though they're very separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I addressed something to somebody who lives in Palm Springs as being the Palm Desert, and they got very upset. Fuck Palm Springs. <laughs> Bunch of rich people. Mm. 
So um, you come from that East Coast where there's different ethnicities and different economic backgrounds. You all get on the same fucking train. Yeah. That doesn't happen in L.A. It never has happened since mm. we're children. So there's this real separation and racism that that for some reason, which is really cool, is the sports teams and the music communities are the places where people unite. Because in New York City, you're riding on you ride on a train with the mayor going to work. Here, everybody flies in helicopters and lives in these separate worlds, except for at Staples Center, except for at you know the Henry, the Fonda Theater, seeing bands. It's music and sports and that unify this city and mm -hmm. make it come together. And that's where communities get built is mm -hmm. through the arts and through sports. It's really amazing. When you go to a Lakers game, you got Jack Nicholson and people from East LA and we're all there. And that's the one thing that I noticed is different about New York. You go to sports events. It's only rich people. Mm -hmm. Only rich people can go to MSG. Oh yeah. There's no totally. fucking poor people. I know because I bought a poor people's ticket way, way up top and it was all rich people. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, that was fucked up. It's like you, a, to go to a Rangers game, it's like a minimum 250 bucks. Yeah, that's for, what like, I went to. Rangers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's me. I was up there a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so weird. Like, where all the where's all the flavor of New York City? It's not at the sports. Mm -mm. And then it, you know, it's not at the blur concert the next night either. It's down in the subway system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yeah. It's true. And there's and we unite for sports. I don't know why, because mm. there's except for the Dodgers, that that's a little questionable. No, you go we go out where I sit. It's all fucking yeah, they, working class they people. Beat up, the, beat up the people from the other towns. That's you know that's a byproduct <laughs> of what happens. That doesn't yeah. happen at Lakers games. No, it's like that's uniquely Dodgers where that's a, people start fighting with each other. The well, you know what? I gotta say that I. You know, you never supported any extreme violence like what happened to that poor guy. But there is a, a caution that I have when I go to my, you know, the other places, San Francisco, go to a Giants game. And, you know, I'd be respectful. It's a Giants stadium. It's a Giants park. I've noticed that a lot of people think it's a narcissistic part of our, our culture where you're supposed to be able to go to a Dodger game. Tell Dodger, game, to Dodger fans to suck your dick, wearing mm -hmm. your giant shit and stuff. I'm not saying it's deserved. I'm just saying there used to be an intelligence about things that's lacking, mm -hmm. right? I went to Boston for a Lakers finals game, right? We knew if we're going to wear a Lakers shit, we better not go in the front door. So we arranged mm -hmm. to go in the back door and whatever. Then the mistaken thing, and this is how tough Boston is, we lost by 20, so then we're figuring, I was just going to take my Lakers shit off and put it in my jacket and walk out. But then uh, we lost by 20. I just thought, well, fuck it. And we just walked out. Dude, I thought I was going to be killed. <laughs> just for wearing a jersey. I wasn't telling them to suck my Laker dick or anything. It was just like, oh, it was scary. So LA Dodgers Stadium is not the only place. The problem of that event was there was no security. That fucking guy, Frank... Well, whoever owned the Dodgers is a scumbag piece of shit. And in Bob's world, that guy's in jail, not on some yacht somewhere. Mm. Right? But, but you know, I don't get to rule the world. Mm -hmm. I think I'd probably fuck it up. <laughs> but I would definitely know who to put in jail. Right? And that is people that abuse their power. That is people at the very top, not at the very bottom, who are taking advantage of... of their fellow citizens that that's what you know what is crime it's taking advantage of a weakness like mm -hmm. oh they didn't lock their door or oh they're not they don't know where the car is or or you know that taking advantage of weakness and that's what this whole system now economic system is based on the waltons would be in prison all the walton heirs mm -hmm. who are six of the ten wealthiest americans would all be in prison mm -hmm. if i was in charge because they've done nothing, they've contributed nothing, and they are raping our society. Their workers have to be on food relief. They should be ashamed of themselves. Anytime they walk in a restaurant, they should be refused service. They should be told what scumbags they fucking are and their whole fucking family. That's America. We used to stand up against abuse and t and tyranny like that and now we kiss their ass i bet you there's so many fucking noses up those people's butts fuck the waltons they should all be in prison 
Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, you're not going to get your records in Walmart anyway. Yeah. So why worry? <laughs> but life is grand for you. You're all right. I'm okay. Got any yeah. kids? No. A girlfriend. We live together. No dog because that building we live in won't let us have it, but we want one eventually. Move downtown. What's wrong with you living eventually, up there? Eventually. We live in uh, like Koreatown in Manhattan, which is, I moved to a building where friends lived and it was like in New York City, it's so hard to find like rentals and stuff. Things yeah, get I know. bought up in like 30 seconds when you're looking for an apartment Yeah, but or I was looking, you gotta, here's the, you want some advice? Because mm-hmm. I was going to yes, move please. to New York about 43 years ago. So we think in terms of, I got a girlfriend and me, we need a one-bedroom place. That's stupid, because mm. those are like 2000 a month. Yeah. You know what I mean? That would be a cheap one-bedroom, actually. Yeah. <laughs> what you do is go for three bedrooms, Mm-mm. right? And think in terms of who you could live with or how you could have a home office where you could generate enough revenue out of having that office. Because mm-hmm. the three bedrooms down south of Houston mm-hmm. on the east side are like, Thirty four hundred. Mm-hmm. So thirty four hundred for a three bedroom is better than one two thousand for a one bedroom. Yeah. Because if you think in terms of per bed, that's twelve hundred bucks a bedroom. Mm-hmm. Now you're paying way less than you and your girlfriend living. And it's not that hard to live with people. I live with like five strangers. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. that hard. Mm-hmm. You just kind of shut your door and just go eat a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think he, I think you can do it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was going to move there. I, I was going to have a company with Doc Gooden. It was the weirdest thing. We were going to form an intervention company. And so I started looking at three bedroom apartments on the Lower East Side for me and my ex and Elvis. So we'd have an Elvis bedroom, my bedroom, and an office for the company. And then the company would pay 1000 a month for that. And mm-hmm. then we'd pay 2400 We're from LA. We're used to paying that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was doable if you go bigger. That's mm-hmm. my advice to all struggling New Yorkers. Go bigger. Mm-hmm. Go bigger, go home. No, but you got to be smart about it and yeah. find the right little areas. Because what's happened in that raping and pillaging of apartments back from people and bribing them to move out and whatever, mm-hmm. there's not enough uh, NYU students to fill those apartments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's really empty apartments on the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. There are. And because, you know, they're, they're thinking they're going to charge these outrageous prices and the people who want to live there can't afford to live there. And they're a little too ghetto for people who can't afford to live there. Mm-hmm. If your choice between paying 2400 for a one-bedroom with a view of a brick wall or 3500 for a really nice place, you're always going to, if you've got the money, you're always going to take the $3,500. they have created a bunch of apartments in New York City that are undesirable mm-hmm. and unachievable for the people looking for housing. Mm-hmm. So that's my take on housing in New York City. <laughs> so go downtown, find a three-bedroom, get somebody else to share it with you. Well, thank you for that advice. <laughs> you ever think of that? No. Actually, can me, yeah, kind of. But not really. You put a new spin on it for me. That actually, it helps. Well, I just think, well, what's the hardest thing is per square foot, like... If you had your record, if you had a recording studio in that third bedroom and start charging people twenty bucks or hundred bucks throughout a month, you've got yeah one third of that rent. You mm-hmm. got a cool studio and you got a bigger place and you're living in a neighborhood you want to live in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you just make it, you know, mm-hmm. try to be smart. I learned this thing of like, don't just work, work smart, mm-hmm. right? Meaning, you know, everybody's slaving away trying to make a dollar. When I was slaving away. If I did really excellently all year long, amazing glowing reviews, which I did for for most most years, <laughs> you got a three to three percent, a five percent pay increase, and then if you got poor reviews or things didn't go so good, you got three percent pay increase annually. Why am I fucking so? In ten years, I'm only going to be making you know another half of what I make now. Mm-hmm. Might as well kill yourself because <laughs> inflation and the price of living is not going up at that rate. It's doubling every five years. Mm-hmm. So you're behind. Every year that you get a 5% pay increase, God bless you're behind. America. Huh? God bless America. Well, mm-hmm. somebody's going to bless it here pretty soon. <laughs> For sure. Bless it right off the map. <laughs> so, so, you know, to think, be smart, be entrepreneurial, be imaginative, be creative. 
I get back to the main man that's doing that, Tyler the Creator, bitches. <laughs> no, I just love that kid. He's 24 yeah. years old. He has his own festival. He has his own store. What keeps other 24-year-olds from doing and that? he likes golf clothes. Yeah, but what keeps other 24-year-old kids from doing that? They're lame they ass entitlement and stupidity. Yeah. Video they learn games. nothing. It's, yeah, I video bet you Tyler the Creator <laughs> don't know how to balance a checkbook. No. But he'll, he'll pay an accountant. So... So, and then what else you got coming out besides the Bicycle Thief on vinyl that we're nah, going to just get sued that's about? That's coming, but no. Uh, I have like a handful of new records that are in the works right now, actually. Uh, next record's from a band from Brooklyn. They're called Big Eyes. And they actually, a girl named Kate uh, Eldridge, she moved to Seattle a couple years ago, made, band out, made bands out there, did a whole thing, made a name for herself. Came back to New York. We went to high school together, actually, coincidentally. Wow. And um, now she's based out of Brooklyn. She's a full length in the works with a label called Don Giovanni, but they don't do seven inches anymore. So I'm doing a seven inch for her to kind of like hype the LP that will come later. Oh, cool. So that's coming. Is it Big Eyes after the Cheap Trick song or Big Eyes after the Painter thing? Or I don't why, know. Why she, Big Eyes? Yeah, I don't know. So there's Bright Eyes and Big Eyes. Big Eyes, yeah. They're really great. Oh, it's not just a girl; it's a band. It's a band. She's oh. like she plays guitar and sings, but then she's got a bass player and a drummer who have changed from depending on where she was living. So, like when she moved back to Brooklyn, it's a new bass player and drummer than who were out in Seattle with her. But it's her band. She's really great. It's her. It's, yeah, it's she's her. It's she's her. big eyes. Yes, she is big eyes. Like my son's terrors, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There's been a lot of people in terrors, but yeah. it's Elijah Forrest's band. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I like that. Mm -hmm. That's kind yeah. of what the bicycle thief was. It was me and Josh, yes. and it's gonna be, but it's a band. Mm -hmm. But the bass player and drummer really, it could be multiple, Josh, huh? It's just you and Josh. It's just it me and Josh, matter. totally. And that's how you can survive as a musician, mm -hmm. right? And uh, you know, because it's here's an interesting take. I, don't, I would like to get your take on it. So people aren't going seeing Eagles and Madonna anymore. Mm -hmm. They're not going. The whole concert industry is the only thing left of remnants left of the old entertainment industry for music mm -hmm. what basically happened was the record industry collapsed and the concert in industry rose it's all based on nostalgia eagles madonna being the pinnacle bon jovi so they have an they have an unsustainable business model because people are not going to go pay fifteen hundred dollars to see madonna next time she plays because mm -hmm. it was not going so good this tour mm -hmm. Same thing about Jay-Z and Eminem's tour. So what? What? there are no new people that can replace them because nobody is creating an environment where bands can become Radiohead or mm -hmm. the Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. The other thing is artists are quitting and giving up and starting something new every fucking 18 months. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how anybody's going to be the next Chili Peppers, the next... Uh, Radiohead that I don't see how rappers unless they focus on their artistry instead of marrying Kardashians and being in magazines are going to be the next Jay-Z or Eminem mm -hmm. I don't see how Kendrick Lamar better take things seriously or he'll just be another DMX mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying so can you see how it's been it, there's nobody creating long sustainable careers anymore no one. Yeah. And Jack White, I always point out, is a horrible example. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> he really is. He was the greatest artist to to take the mantle of Bob Dylan, of Led Zeppelin, and he quits and forms some band with his fucking goofy friend that's not that good of a songwriter and mm -hmm. like goes and tours clubs. Then he quits that. Mm. Then he goes solo, but you don't know if he's solo. Then he's like more concerned about whether he has a girl or a boy band than the songs he writes. Mm. Though that type, it's true. That type of thing of self-involved self, that's all—it's ridiculous. I'm in a band that I started in 1983. I'm still in it. Mm -hmm. This doesn't stop. You don't fucking stop. You may not. You may not be too productive for periods of time. <laughs> get some cobwebs every. But trust me, if if some if people wanted to learn these mods and make records, we'd be making records. And Jack White has a, his own record label. Mm -hmm. But his great thing that he had stumbled upon. He didn't invent it. The flat duo jets invented yeah. it. Mm -hmm. um, his ability to translate Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones, he was, he was, he was lucky 
to be who he was in that place and time. And he just threw it all away, in my opinion. I see several artists do that. Bright Eyes with all his goofy fucking bands. He's always forming some new band. Ryan Adams doing the same thing. I can't follow. Mm -hmm. I want, you know, I want Led Zeppelin. I want fucking White Stripes. I mm -hmm. want Bright Eyes mm -hmm. lifted. I don't give a fuck about your friends and your cool Spanish mm -hmm. flamenco guitar. Mm -hmm. Do what you do and do it well and do it every time. Like Neil Young. Neil Young, greatest mm -hmm. artist ever. David Bowie, greatest artist ever. They fucking deliver. And it's always David Bowie. Might have different to it, different this way, that way. But it's fucking David Bowie. If I played you the new Jack White record, unless you knew it was Jack White, you wouldn't know it's Jack White. If I play you White Stripes, you go, that's White Stripes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah. So, and I, I don't mean to attack other artists, mm -hmm. but I come from an era where artists mm -hmm. criticize other artists. Mm -hmm. Public Image, Johnny Rotten, Chili Peppers are the biggest criticizers. They have a song about criticizing other artists. Mm -hmm. It's called Nevermind. And then Nirvana named their album that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Did you see the correlation? You never sure. did, did you? Oh, you did? You've pointed it out in the past. It says Nevermind. And, and the song is just basically Nevermind. And it lists all the popular artists of the day. We're the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So it says Nevermind Duran Duran. We're the Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? Mm -hmm. That's about as attacking of other artists as you can get. <laughs> You know what I mean? A song? What? Let's chime in. I'm like I think John was on the latest uh, Duran Duran album, actually. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, I think he was. He's yeah. going to probably join, or he'll join. My prediction is he'll join Depeche Mode. That'd be weird. I saw a video of him once playing with like, yeah. something with them. Him and Josh playing with them. Yeah, some, yeah, it's yeah. great. So, you know, where, where does it all lead? I, I just have this feeling that... Dave Gaines done with his solo record and tour. Um, they're going to get back together probably in the springtime. Uh, for some reason, I just think it would be so exciting to hear John in Depeche Mode. And I think it would re-inspire him. It would be it's cool to see him. It's his, it's his top five favorite band of all time. Trust me, Duran Duran's not his five top mm. favorite <laughs> band of all time. You know what I mean? Um, you know, if Peter Hook was smart, he'd be calling John Fashanti right now. Dude, they could do Joy Division with John singing. I swear to God, he can sing exactly like Ian Curtis. Exactly. You saw it? Did you see it? Them and... Uh, At Spaceland. I wasn't there, but I'm the bootlegs around. It's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm giving throwing ideas out there. I'd love to see John back playing music that challenges people and makes them think and... You know what I mean? I think he needs to get out and start playing again for people. Yeah. He's gotten into that whole thing where he just wants to make music for himself nonstop, which is also amazing because he's making music constantly. But I don't think he's just one. I really have no idea, honestly, but it doesn't seem like he really wants to get out and play for people or. Well, he I think he looks at music two different ways. There's music for other people and music for art's sake. Mm hmm. He's been doing music for art's sake for 20, 15, since he quit. Mm -hmm. However long that is. Mm -hmm. 10 years? About. Yeah. Right? So all that stuff. You know what really is more, the one kind of thing that I look at that cl clouds collide with people, that's a pop record. Mm -hmm. That's him saying, look at I can make this record if you really... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just mm -hmm. like a, he's a bobber and a weaver. Yeah. You know what I mean? He really is. Because the other thing with Josh and the Joe guy. Yeah. That's really, the that's like, yeah. yeah. Kind of, you know. mm -hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of any of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. But um, but then that Clouds Collide with People, there's some beautiful songs on oh that. Oh my God. Such a good Unbelievable. one. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, so I think that he wants to have a big successful thing again. I really think he, I know him. He'll want to fucking... Yeah, probably. And I'm telling You're you... You're going to get a lot of people excited. A Joy Division they hear tour. hear the podcast. A Joy <laughs> Division tour with John singing. That'd be something. It would be something like special. That gets me a little excited. <laughs> <laughs> even, Nate, even cynical Nate's excited now. Him and Peter Hook. That'd be Peter good. Hook, call John Fashante up and get that Joy Division back together. <laughs> oh, look at Nate thinking now. All new order. I thought it that night at that show. Like, it was... Amazing! If you can, you ever heard about it? Flea, Josh, and John did a tribute to Joy Division. It was 
unfucking believe it was one of the best shows <clears throat> I've ever been to in my life. And Eric Avery from Jane's Addiction said that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. And they never played again. <laughs> <laughs> but a but a Broxy One or whatever, yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, you can go backwards, you can go forwards, but um, you can't stand still on a mm. moving train. So, um, just keep making records. Let's try to put the bicycle thief out on vinyl. I'll call Danny Goldberg. I'll call somebody at Sony. But don't That'll involve lawyers. Don't call Mike Goldsmith. Jesus, fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Look> it up. <laughs> But and then we got to get Alvis record out. Yes, please. I would love to make it. Think of the promo. I, here's the, I'll bet you all the audience, you guys, you put a seven inch out of my son, it will be on CNN, because I know everybody at CNN. So there you go. Like look, I got five year old. <laughs> my five year old son made a record. Like, what? When has a five year old ever made a record? Ever. Michael Jackson. Yeah, you, know like, seven, seven, seven. you know what he does sing? You know what he does sing great? Sits in the treetop all night long. He loves that rock and robin. All right. Peace out. Love to Scott's children. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the This Is Water podcast. Email us at thisiswaterpodcast at gmail.com and follow Bob on Twitter at AskBobForest. 